Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup, oh, blocked by James! Lillard, he got the shot off! Lillard, down! Down! I mean, I like that, you know, like NBA basketball. Oh, boy. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. We're going to start off our Season 2 opener. I'm Ian Fain, and I'm joined by my co-host, Noah Weber. So, this is Season 2, and today's episode, we're going to give our mock drafts for next week's NBA draft. We're going to make go through our picks, 1 through 15, and our next episode will complete the first round. So, on that note, I'm going to have Noah take it away. So, yeah, I'm super excited to be back for Season 2. Mock drafts has been something I've been looking forward for a while. So with that being said, with the first overall pick, I have the Timberwolves taking LaMelo Ball. So for the longest time, I had Anthony Edwards at one, and I've been going back and forth all week of do I want Edwards going there or do I want LaMelo going there? So finally, I just decided that I wanted to put LaMelo there. I have a feeling that he's going to go one, and I feel like he's the number one player in the draft. So first off, the T-Wolves just need talent. If you look at their team, I mean, they obviously have – D'Lo and Towns, but then just the rest of the team is just up in the air. So LaMelo is the best player available on the board at this point. If you look at the draft, in my opinion, he's better than Wiseman and he's better than Edwards. And from there, obviously, he's better than everyone else. So LaMelo with the Timberwolves, I'm not sure exactly what his role would be like with D'Lo and him on the court at the same time, but I'm sure they'd find a way to figure it out. So I'm actually going to disagree with you here. Um, My number one is Anthony Edwards, um, the shooting guard out of Georgia. I think that he is the most just perfect player for this Timberwolf team. I mean, they already have D'Lo, so I don't think that they needed um, another point guard. And I think that LaMelo Ball and D'Lo kind of have a similar playing style. Um, But I think Anthony Edwards will definitely pair well with uh, D'Lo, and then you have Carl Anthony Towns down low. Um, I mean, just looking at the stats alone, I mean, I know it's more than just the numbers, but Anthony Edwards averaged 19.1 points per game in the SEC as a freshman. And, I mean, he shot 40%. Uh, his three-point shooting was at 30, which could be a little better. But, I mean, and overall, I mean, I think that he is the best player to fit the Minnesota Timberwolves system um but I'm also going to disagree with you saying that LaMelo Ball is the best talent in this draft um I'm still not 100% sold on LaMelo Ball I think that he needs to prove himself just a little bit more because I mean we we thought that with all the Brawl brothers so far we thought that they were just the uh the one of the best in their in their class and I mean, it has turned out for Lonzo um, recently. He's definitely, like, developed. But with LaMelo, I just I haven't seen too much of him just with his dominance. I mean, we saw it at Spire, but not much competition there. Um, but in Lithuania, he struggled. And even in Australia, I mean, he was, he was kind, of, kind of lackluster in his performances. He really didn't shoot the ball too well. So that's why I have him going a little lower on my list. But as of now, I think my number one pick would go to Anthony Edwards. Okay, so with the second overall pick, I have the Warriors taking James Wiseman, the center from Memphis. Obviously, he didn't play there very long, but that's how we're going to call it. 
So I've liked this pick for the Warriors ever since the lottery came out. I knew that it would be Edwards or LaMelo going first, and I always thought that Wiseman would just be a great fit in Golden State just because Steph, if you think about it, he's never played with a dominant big man. It's always kind of been just a middle-of-the-pack big man that they've kind of just thrown in there because they have shooters everywhere. So I think this would just be super fun with the Warriors just because Wiseman, he sets so, strong, strong screens, excuse me. He has a huge frame, and he's obviously a great lob threat. And, I mean, he finishes everything inside. If he grabs something off the rim, he's either going to put it back up or dunk it. And I think that this would just be a super fun project for the Warriors. So I'm going to agree with you here. I have James Wiseman going number two to the Warriors. Um, I mean, he's a 7-1 center, 235 pounds at 19 years old. So, I mean, he has a lot of upside with his potential, with just his intangibles. Um, I mean, he's super athletic. His size is great. We saw him on the defensive end. And just the, this, the three games that he played at Memphis, and, I mean, he was very dominant. He averaged 20 points per game in those three games. And, I mean, Memphis played pretty decent talent um, within those three games. But, I mean, obviously we need to see a little bit more. Um but I, I, I really do think that he would be a great fit with Steph Curry, with Klay Thompson, just a dominant big to get those rebounds. I think that will be very, very nice and a very good addition to this Golden State team. Completely agreed. I mean, if you, as I said earlier, their, their whole, Steph's whole career, they've kind of needed that dominant center. And I think this is the first time that they, they've had a pick super high. And this is just the perfect opportunity for the Warriors to snag Wiseman and complete that starting lineup. Because if you think about it, if no trades go down, it's going to be Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and Wiseman. I mean, that's a super scary starting five. That is a scary starting five. But there is one thing that I think will, will go a long ways with James Wiseman, and it is just because he's young. But he kind of lacked leadership when he was on that Memphis team for the first three games. I mean, we saw Precious Antoine. I mean, he was really the one that was doing all of the leadership on the team. I mean, we did only see three games once again, but I think with James Wiseman going in and he is kind of, he's under uh, Draymond Green, he's under Steph, he's under Clay. I think that he will definitely learn kind of that veteran leadership pretty quickly, especially with all those, that great talent around him. I completely agree. So with the third overall pick, the Charlotte Hornets, I think they're going to select Anthony Edwards. Kind of me and Ian had flopped picks for this one. So obviously the Hornets, if you think about it, they kind of need a big man. I mean, Zeller's lackluster. They Another wing and just overall talent for this team. And so the first thing I want to start off with Anthony Edwards that kind of threw me off. So their defensive rating went from a 110 with him on the court to a 103 with him off the court, which means their defensive rating was better when he was off the court. And another reason that I didn't really like the Timberwolves taking him, even though I think he'd be a great fit, and I don't know, I went back and forth all the way until this morning. He just kind of reminds me of an Andrew Wiggins 2.0. Not taking anything away from Wiggins' career. I mean, he's kind of been hated on, been one of the more scrutinized players in the NBA. Edwards just reminds me of him because he doesn't play much defense in college and he didn't pass very much. And that kind of just reminded me of what Wiggins did when he was at Kansas. But the positive things about Anthony Edwards, he is ridiculously athletic. He can get to the bucket whenever he wants. And when he's shooting the ball well, I mean, he's not missing. We've, we saw him get hot a couple of times and wherever he goes, I think he's going to do well. But just 
those little shines of Wiggins 2.0. That's why I didn't like him going number one. So my number three is LaMelo Ball. I think the Charlotte Hornets, they could definitely use um, a point guard who could just who is a little bit on the, on the taller end. Um, I mean, we're seeing a lot more of just these tall uh, wing players coming in and handling the ball. Uh, obviously, we know that LaMelo Ball has all of the uh, great – consistency with like his handling he can get up and he can dribble he's quick with the ball um but there is one thing that i think can get to him and that is his confidence in his shooting so obviously you want someone who is confident in their shooting ability and obviously you want someone who who believes that they're consistent enough but there's one thing about his jump shot and that kind of lacks consistency um, I mean, we've seen it with all the other Ball brothers. They they could shoot, but then once they get once Lonzo got in the league, he, we really never saw his true potential in his shooting. I just don't want that to happen with Lamelo Ball. I do think that he is the better shooter, but also at times when he was at Spire, whenever um, I would watch some of his games, I mean, he would be pretty streaky and I think that's kind of scary to any NBA team because obviously you want someone who is consistent but also he is one of the best talents on this on this uh, list I think he is definitely a top five pick lock but I mean I just I don't see Minnesota taking him I don't see Golden State really needing any more wings but I just think Charlotte needs that talent like you said that Minnesota needs. I think Charlotte needs the talent more, and I think that's why that they would they would go with Lamelo Ball other than trying to fix the need that they needed. So yeah, as you talked about his shot, his shot is ugly. It's unorthodox. I think he's gonna eventually have to fix it once he gets into the NBA, make little touches. Because as we saw Lonzo, he he fixed his shot this past season with New Orleans, and he was shot in way better. Mm-hmm. But one thing about Lamelo that just catches my eye is just his feel for the game and his passing. I mean, in my opinion, he's right there with Lonzo for passing. I mean, you'll just see LaMelo bringing the ball up, and, I mean, he'll throw a football or baseball pass across the court, three lengths of the court, and just be right on the money. His feel for the game and just how he's been playing fast his entire life, like at Chino Hills, I think the NBA is perfect for him because, I mean, they love to play fast, and that's how LaMelo's been playing his entire life. But his scoring and ISO and when he's going to have those elite grown men point guard on him, I think he's going to struggle with isolation because just he doesn't have the quickest first step. And sometimes, as we know, like we saw at Chino Hills, Spire, wherever he's played, he settles for ridiculous shots that sometimes go in. But more often than not, his team would be paying for it. And I don't think that that play style is going to keep going for him into the NBA. And I think that there is one thing with LaMelo Ball. I think he might lack his confidence in the NBA. I think they won't give him the green light just right out the gate. I think he'll have to earn it. And I think that might kind of slow him down a little bit because, I mean, like you said, he loves to take those ridiculous shots. I mean, we saw it at Chino Hills. We saw it at Spire. We saw it in Lithuania. And, I mean, I, I, I personally just believe that he is a great talent. I think that his decision making on the court with his shot taking, I, I just think that he might need to take a step back and maybe just learn from the, those around him.
completely agree. So moving into the fourth overall pick, I have the Chicago Bulls taking Denny Avdija, the 6'9 wing from Israel. So kind of just like all the other teams, the Bulls need talent and a little bit of defense. Even though Avdija isn't known for being defensive as a defensive player, what I've just seen from him watching highlights and just hearing about what the analysts have to say about him it's just been extremely impressive he's a beast offensively he's I mean he's one of those foreign guys like we saw we saw three teams pass on Luke two teams pass on Luca excuse me and I don't think that the Bulls are going to make that mistake even though they weren't one of those picks that they could have taken Luca. I think that these international players who have a decent ceiling I think that they're going to continue to go high and just Avdija's ability to score off the dribble, he's going to expose those smaller forward, those slower forwards, excuse me, and his way to create for himself and get to the bucket and finish above the rim sometimes, it's extremely, extremely intriguing. And also, his ability to be a playmaker and a willing passer, I mean, it fits perfectly with Kobe White and Levine, because, I mean, as you know with both of them, they like to get their buckets, and they're not necessarily either one of them known as passers. So if DJ sliding in there at the three, I think is a perfect fit for the Bulls. Um, I'm actually going to agree with you here. My number four is also Denny Avija. Um, I think he would be a great fit with Chicago. I mean, he he has all the intangibles that you need for a great wing in the NBA. I mean, he has the playmaking ability. Um I mean, his ball handling is great. I think it'll do better. Um, the one thing that he lacks is athletic ability. Um, I I think he is kind of like a a Luca. Um, I mean, like we 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 could see Luca. He can get up the floor. I mean, he can he can do all that stuff. But a lot of Luca's game is like his playmaking ability, and I mean, just making tough shots. Um, I mean, for wing, he has great ball handling ability. Um, just his, he's great size. I mean, what is he? Six nine, two ten. So I mean, that's great size for a small forward in the NBA. Um, so I actually was reading a little bit about him, and a lot of people are comparing him to uh, Hidu Turkoglu, and I thought that was kind of interesting, just because of how I mean, there was a there's a good amount of years, a good streak of years where Turkoglu was like a great player in the NBA. I mean, he. He would go out and he would, uh, he could drop 20 points uh, day in and night out. So, really, I mean, it, it just comes down to if Denny Avija can, you know, work on his athletic ability. I mean, we saw Luca make huge jumps. I mean, he is three times more athletic than he was last year. And so, I, I think that Denny Avija can easily make that jump. And, I mean, the one thing that I'm kind of uh, nervous about Avija is just his um, like mobility. That is one thing that I think he definitely needs to work on. I think he does need to bulk up a little bit. But other than that, I think he's a great prospect. And I think that he his playmaking ability, his shooting, and his size is just something that will carry a long way in the NBA, especially with the Chicago Bulls. Completely agree, and just going back to his playmaking, when we see these players come over from Europe, I mean, they're usually top-notch playmakers just from the way they play the game over there, and I think that would be super fun for the Bulls, for them to take Avija, and maybe kind of switch up what they're doing over there, because obviously whatever they're doing has not worked for a while. 
So moving on to the fifth overall pick, I have the Cavaliers selecting Obi Toppin, the 6'9 forward from Dayton. So at first, I heard some people, they were putting Toppin as one of the top players on their big board, and although I did have him as one of my top six, seven players on the big board, he wasn't as high as I had some people. So just when we're looking at the Cavaliers, I mean, obviously they need a lot. I think they have locks for the two guards. I think Sexton and Garland are locked in at the one and the two. And I didn't take see them taking a four or five just because I think Love and Drummond are going to continue to start there. So I think sliding in Toppin at the three is going to be a decent fit. I mean, obviously what we've seen at Toppin, he's a good athlete. He can shoot it. He brings energy. And just him in transition, he's a monster. I mean, he'll punch it on anyone. And his size is very intriguing also in the half court because, I mean, we saw him take advantage of those smaller wings back him down, put in a post hook, maybe pump fake and get a up and under layup. And the most thing that I'm excited to see him about is just those dunks in transition. Just he's so electric, and I think that would be super fun for Cleveland, and I think they improve immediately if they draft Toppin. So um, one thing that I do want to point out is how much Toppin's game has elevated just within a year. So his freshman year at Dayton – he only averaged 14 points per game, and he shot very poorly. Um, he shot around the – the. I mean, it, it wasn't really poorly, but he shot 50%. And for a big in the NCAA, that's that's kind of, kind of lackluster. He did only take nine attempts per game, but he elevated his game. And his sophomore year, he averaged 20 points per game on 63% shooting, and he shot 12 shots. So he built his confidence, and he knew that he can go out there, and he is just he has that God-given ability to just go out and score. He can punch it on anyone, like you said, and this man is a freak athlete. I think that Cleveland is in desperate need for one of those highlight reel players. I mean, we saw Larry Nance. I mean, he took a big jump. In Cleveland, I mean, he really. Uh, I personally believe that. I mean, he was one of the reasons why the Cavaliers were selling tickets. I think people wanted to go see him with just his athletic ability, just kind of dunk on someone. And I think that's why a lot of people want Obi Toppin to go to Cleveland. I think that he will be a great fit. They're kind of Cleveland is lacking that that big player that could just go out and just a super athlete. I think every every team has one of those super athletes, and so I think Cleveland is, is in desperate need for one of those just super athletic, super quick. Um, I mean, his, his post skills are kind of lack. Um, I mean, he is 6'9 for a power forward. I believe that's a little small, um, but, I mean – uh, we saw him in the NCAA, and he was very dominant down low. Uh, I think that he could definitely bulk up just a little bit just to help with his 6'9 frame. But I think that he is ready. I think he is one of the most NBA-ready players on this list. I mean, he is also – I think he is the oldest of what we said so far. Um, he is 22 years of age, which is a little old considering that a majority of these players are 19, 20. So – I mean, I'm I'm just ready to see what he could do in the NBA, and I'm excited to see his athletic potential. 
I completely agree. And one thing that I kind of thought about with him at this pick, I mean, he's going to learn from one of the best stretch forwards in the league, Kevin Love, mm-hmm. on how to stretch the floor, get to those open spots, the pick and pop. And obviously we've seen Toppin in the pick and roll. I mean, ridiculously athletic finisher. So at the number six overall pick, I think this is going to be a little higher than you had him. This is, I was really debating where I wanted to put him, but I think that the Hawks shouldn't pass up if he's there. I mean, when he's there. I have the Hawks taking Isaac Okoro, the 6'6 wing from Auburn. So obviously the Hawks need defense. They need shooting, they need scoring, and they need another point guard. And Okoro fills the perimeter defense aspect of this perfectly. I mean, he is easily the best defender in the draft. Just what I've seen from Okoro just hounding these guards. I mean, he's he's right all up in them. And, I mean, if he they do not get a step on him, and when they go try to lay it up on him, I mean, he's going to pin it against the glass. He's going to block it. And just what I've seen from Okoro, just how quick his feet are and how well he plays defense has been something that I haven't seen in a while. I think he'd immediately become the best perimeter defender on the Hawks. I mean, if you look at that starting five, I mean, it's Trey Young, it's Herter, it's DeAndre Hunter, Collins, and Capella when he's back. And I think having Okoro come right off the bench, I mean, it was an interesting fit. At first, I wasn't sure if I wanted to put him there just because, I mean, they took two wings last year. They took DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish in the first round. But I just think that Isaac Okoro's defense just would be a great wild card for this Hawks team. And although he's not the best scorer, I mean, he's not much of a shooter. His three-point stats, they weren't horrible, but his free throw stats were bad. And as a lot of draft analysts say, the free throw numbers are more... They're more telling to how good of a shooter they're going to be in the NBA. You know, I I would agree with you with Isaac Okoro. I do have him a lot lower on this list. But my number six, I'm going to take the 6'5 lefty from France. I'm taking Killian Hayes here. I think the Hawks, um, I think he would be a great addition to the Hawks. I know they really don't need another guard, but I just think that he is too good to pass up on um, a lot of people think he'll go a lot lower just because based off of team needs within these next couple of picks. But, I mean, I think that he is one of the best players, one of the best prospects, I should say, in this draft. Um, his overall prospect score is a 96, which is higher than my past three picks on here. So, I mean, he has great size, 6'5", 195. I mean, and for a point guard, that's great. But I think they might move him to... Um, a shooting guard, so him and Trey Young can both play. I think they quite possibly can move um, Herter, maybe to the three, or just come off as a six man. Um, I think that Killian Hayes is one of the one of the best players in this draft. Um, his NBA comparison is Kirk Heinrich and Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I mean, that just kind of comes to show. Just he's he's a gritty player. He can run the pick and roll, um, which is, I think, very, very important for this Atlanta team, especially if they can keep Capella there. Capella is one of the best pick and roll um, centers in the league. And, I mean, he's also a great on-ball defender. Um, I mean, he can go with his size and length. He can lock down almost anyone. Um, We saw him in France. I mean, he was deeding up everybody. Um, He's a great team defender. He knows exactly what he needs to do whenever they're in a zone. Um, he has quick hands. He can get through the passing lanes. Um, here, I'm trying to find his steals. Okay, so he averaged about two steals a game. Um, and, I mean, his his assist-to-turnover ratio is 
very, very great. Um, so, I mean, I'm just – I think that he is a great player. Um, but also, you really just can't pass up on a – Six five point guard with a six eight wingspan, um, especially someone who could shoot with great size. Uh, he could dribble, and his playmaking is right there. I think he's a great fit for this Atlanta team, and even whenever Trey Young, because I know a lot of people are going to start, they're going to start guarding Trey Young pretty deep because we've seen him make some great shots this year. I think people are going to guard him deep. So just having another ball handler on the Atlanta side, I think that'll be a great addition to the team. I completely agree about Killian Hayes. Some drafts analysts have him as the best player in the draft. I saw the ringer do a little bit of a special on that and plead their case about why he's the best player in the draft, although I might not agree with them. So with the seventh overall pick, I have the Pistons taking Tyrese Halliburton, the 6'5 point guard from Iowa State. So when I look at the Pistons, in my opinion, obviously, they need talent, just like a lot of these lottery teams. They need defense, and I think they need a point guard. Because, I mean, if you look at their depth chart, they obviously have Derrick Rose, but then it drops down to Brandon Knight and, I mean, Bruce Brown, who might not even be considered, like, your third-string point guard by this team. And I just think taking Halliburton here is the perfect scenario for the Pistons because when Derrick Rose walks eventually, he's getting older. I think that Halliburton steps right in, and he's the perfect fit for this team. Just what I've seen from him, obviously, he played in the Big 12, so... Here, as Oklahoma State fans, we know all about him. He's team first. He's a class act. When I saw him, he was on the sidelines when we were watching the Iowa State game at home. I was in attendance, but every time he had the chance, he was standing up. He was clapping for his teammates. He was encouraging them, and he was pretty much a coach off the court, and I think that having a leader like Halliburton with the Pistons would be perfectly. And so coming into this through this draft process, I've heard critics talk about how he's not he might not excel in the pick and roll. But everything that I saw from him in the pick and roll while at Iowa State was going to transition for him to the NBA. I mean, when he would get in the pick and roll with Solomon Young or George Condit, it would just be it would be money. I mean, they'd set a strong screen, he'd roll off, usually to the right. And he'd either hit the pull-up J or, I mean, they'd be wide open for a lob, for a dump-off. And I think Halliburton's feel for the game offensively is extremely intriguing. And his three-point shooting also was excellent while he was at Iowa State. Just off the catch or off the dribble. It's a little ugly, but I believe he shot above 40% from distance while he was at Iowa State. And just these type of things, his feel for the game, his shooting, and his ability to run the pick and roll, I think, translates perfectly for him to be a successful point guard for the Pistons. And Halliburton's also very crafty around the rim. Uh, we saw him; um, he kind of went out, and he would he would dominate, um, especially just like he could attack the rim. I mean, he has the athletic ability to do so. <clears throat> so my number seven, um, it's kind of I'm kind of switching it back and forth. Uh, it just kind of depends on what Detroit does. So, I have multiple scenarios for this pick. If they were to move Blake Griffin, which there's a lot of rumors going around, like they, it's looking like they will. I think that they take um, Onyeka Okongwu from USC. Um, he's out of Chino Hills. Um, he is one of the most athletic players in this draft. Uh, I mean, he has great size. He's... 6'9", 235, I do think he did, does need to bulk up a little bit if he wants to play that 4 or 5 position. Um, 
But, I mean, we saw he was a great rebounder. He has outstanding potential. Um, and, I mean, he he's kind of like those those small rim protectors, kind of like a Montrez Harrell. I mean, he's kind of a gritty player. He's very physical in the post. And, I mean, he uses his strength very, very well. Um, I mean, his offensive game is is kind of lacking just a, just a little bit. But I think the Pistons, if they were to move Blake Griffin, I think this would be a great filler. Um, but other than that, I think if they weren't going to move Blake Griffin, I would agree with you with, with Halliburton in Detroit. I think he would be a great fit. They need a scorer. He can go and score, especially with D. Rose getting a little bit older. I think he would be a great fit to walk in right there. But right now, uh, I think I'm going to keep my number seven with Onyeka. All right, so moving on to the number eight overall pick, the last pick before we go into our break. You had him a little higher, and I'm pretty high on him too, but I think just the Knicks, if he falls here, is going to be perfect. I have Killian Hayes going to the Knicks. I mean, they need a point guard. They have had so many failed projects at the point guard position because, I mean, if you look at Frank Nilakina, nothing special. If you look at Dennis Smith Jr., who they traded for, I mean, he's not anything either. I think if they take Killian Hayes here, they finally find that point guard of the future to pair in the backcourt with R.J. Barrett. Just what I've seen from Killian Hayes, the first thing that comes to mind that I don't know if you necessarily touched on that I've just seen from watching his highlights, I've never watched a full game of Killian Hayes, just his step back. I mean, he's a lefty, and his step back, I mean, it looks a lot like James Harden. We haven't seen many players who have identical step backs to James Harden. And what I see from Hayes when he's hitting his step back, immediately, right when I saw it, I thought of James Harden. And when he comes into New York, I mean, he's a great decision maker in the pick and roll. He's a good lob passer, and he has a nice floater. So, I mean, pair that when you have Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson right there. I mean, two guys who can finish above the rim, Mitchell Robinson more than Julius. But, I mean, having Killian Hayes in the pick and roll in New York – would be, I mean, it would be great. I mean, R.J. Barrett's never been known as a passer. Put Killian Hayes in that pick and roll, and I think there's some highlight reels waiting to happen for the Knicks. You know, I totally agree. I, I think that <clears throat> Killian Hayes would be a great addition for that Knicks team. I just personally don't think that he will drop that far. Um, so moving on to my number eight, which is the Knicks pick, um, I th- I'm going to go Halliburton here. Um, I think that, I mean, you kind of touched on everything. I think he's just a great fit for this New York team. I mean, he can go out and get a bucket. Um, I think he would play great alongside R.J. Barrett. Um, I really do. I think Tyrese Halliburton's passing is a lot better, and I think with him carrying the ball other than R.J. Barrett, I think there's be there's going to be a lot more passing in New York. Um, I think that there will be um, – more highlight real plays like you said and I think this will open up R.J. Barrett and I think R.J. Barrett playing with someone like Halliburton I think he might reach his full potential I think he well not full potential but I think he he will definitely play a lot better like he as he did last year I think there's a lot less pressure if he has that other player on this team um I think that just having the ball out of his hands and having him do stuff off the dribble um, and without the ball, I, I think that he will do great things. And I think that Halliburton and Barrett together will be a great duo for the long run. I agree. I think it's going to be fun, whoever the Knicks take. I for sure think that they're going to take a guard to pair there with R.J. Barrett because, I mean, that's their two of the future. 
I mean, he he had a decent rookie year, but I think that R.J. Barrett's going to continue to develop. But one thing I didn't touch on with Killian Hayes that I've kind of noticed, and it reminds me of Rondo a little bit with his his weakness to use his left hand. Um, Hayes does not use his right hand very much when he's getting to the basket, and I mean that's going to not that's not something that's going to fly in the NBA. It's going to be some missed layups. It's going to be some blocked layups, kind of like a little bit what we saw from Rondo. Although he did play excellent in the playoffs, I feel like Rondo misses some layups just because he refrains so much from using that left hand. And I think with a 6'5 frame, you need to more, be more dominant in the like in the fast break. I think you need to attack the basket a lot more. And I think he has the athletic ability to do so. But, I mean, like you said, he is very left-hand dominant. And I think defenses will pick up pick that up pretty pretty easily and I think it'll be easy to read and especially in the NBA I mean that that stuff really doesn't slide um but I think he will develop that right hand I mean we've seen a lot of players just up their game a lot just even before they got into the NBA so I think he can make that jump pretty quickly and I think he knows that I mean almost every single prospect uh report I've seen on Killian Hayes they've brought up the fact that he's very left-hand dominant and I think he he knows that, and I think a lot of his coaches know that. And so I think that he has been out there just really, really working with that right hand. And I think after you work with that right hand, I think he's a great player. And, I mean, you really can't beat a 6'5 frame, especially at the point guard position. I completely agree. So with that being said, this is going to take us into our first break. All right, so coming out of the break, I'm going to go ahead and give my number nine pick, which goes to the Wizards, and I think that they are going to select the six-seven shooting guard, uh, Devin Vassell, from Florida State. Um, I think this is a great pick for the Wizards. I think he would be a great addition to this team. Um, a lot of people are comparing him to Kelly Oubre just because of his athletic ability, and, I mean, he could also shoot. Um I think one thing that he does struggle is his ball handling. Um, I think that he can definitely up that up, especially being a guard. I think he needs to work on that a little bit. But, I mean, he defensively he's there. His size is there. His athletic ability is there. I think he is a great player, and I think that he will v- pair very well with whoever it may be. I mean, I know we have John Wall coming back this year. You have Bradley Beal. Um, but who knows? I mean, I saw the Wizards were definitely looking to move a couple pieces, and so um, if they were to move a piece, I think Vassal could fit right in. But also, I think they could also maybe push him to the small forward position, have uh, John Wall at the one, Bradley Beal at two, and then Devin Vassal at three, and then you have uh, Bertans down low. I think that that lineup alone is pretty dangerous, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But then. Uh, even defensively, I mean, you have all of these quick guards, all these quick, like the one, two, three, Devin Vassell, uh, John Wall, and Bradley Beal. They're all quick. They can get through the passing lanes. I think he's a great fit, and I think, I mean, I, I see almost everyone is comparing him to Kelly Oubre. I've seen even a couple Kent Bazemores, but, I mean, he may even be compared to uh, Bradley Beal. Um, I mean, he could shoot. He's a great two-way player, and I think he is NBA ready. Um, but Bradley Beal is also someone who kind of struggles with 
isolation. I mean, he kind of relies on his athletic ability sometimes. I think that he also kind of plays bully ball. Um, but in the isolation, he kind of struggles. But with John Wall coming back, I mean, John Wall is quick. He's pretty crafty with the ball. Um, I think Devin Vassell can also learn from that. I think that um, his ball handling will definitely improve. But I think he would be a great fit for the Wizards. I agree he would be a good fit. I think that the Wizards need more guard depth than they do for their front court. But I'm going to have the Wizards taking Onyeka Kongwu. If he falls this far, I don't think there's any way that the Wizards pass up on him. Just what I saw, I've seen from a Kongwu, I mean, he's just ridiculously athletic. He's a great rim runner. I mean, he's going to dunk anything that the point guard throws up, who would be John Wall. Defensively, he's a great shot blocker. I mean, he could anchor that Washington defense. Because, I mean, if you look at that starting lineup, it would be Wall, Beal, probably Troy Brown, Rui, and then you have a Kongwu at the five. I mean, he would be a little bit undersized for a five, but I think that his athletic ability and ability to anchor a defense would more than make up for him being undersized for the five. And although we haven't seen much from him with his back to the basket, he will get better. His post hook is starting to develop while he was at USC. And I think that just having him on the Wizards would be a very fun project. And I mostly have him going here just because, I mean, if he's falling all the way to nine, I think the Wizards have to snatch him up because he is a top six, top seven player in this draft. I totally agree with you. I think if he were to fall, I think any team below eight, I think, has a great shot of getting the steal of the draft. I think he is a great player, and I think sometimes he may get overlooked just because of his size. Um, but my number 10, um, you had him a lot higher. I'm taking Isaac Okoru. So I personally would have loved to see him stay at Auburn. I know we were talking about this um, and during the break, I think him and Sharif playing again. I mean, they played in high school. I think them playing again would be so much fun. Um, I mean, they were very dominant in high school. We saw highlights basically every single day of them just dominating everyone. Um, but like you said earlier, I mean, he's athletic. Um, he is a little undersized. He's six six, and to play the small four position, I think you do need to be a little bit bigger. But, I mean, he is capable of playing the two as well. Um, ball handling, it's not not there. I mean, it, it could definitely be a little bit better, but um, it's not horrible. Um, I People are comparing him to Karam Butler, which is a name that I haven't heard in, in years. Um, but, I mean, he is, he is a physical fit. I think this Phoenix team with the 10th the overall pick, I think that will be a steal, especially if they move Kelly Oubre, which I saw that they were thinking about moving him and Ricky Rubio and snagging Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul alongside Devin Booker and Okoro, I think that would be so much fun. I think that is an athletic guard. I mean, Okoro can actually kind of fill in that Kelly Oubre spot very, very well. And I think that Phoenix is in a great position right now. I mean, they... Um, they have the possibility of getting one of the best point guards in the game and then stacking on top of Devin Booker and then adding Akaro. That would be great. And then you get Baines back from injury. That will be very fun. I mean, like we saw, this this Suns team 
isn't like we're used to seeing. I mean, they went 8-0 and in the bubble. They just missed the playoffs, but I think they're definitely a good enough team to make a run this year. And I think if they're one piece away, and that one piece could be Chris Paul or it could be Isaac Okoro. So I'm just very, very excited to see what this Suns team can do. And, I mean, they released their jerseys. They're all set and ready for this year. I, they That's probably one of my favorite jerseys that I've seen released or leaked so far. So this Suns team is has definitely moved up on my, my fan list, and I'll definitely be paying attention to a lot more games this year. I completely agree. Okora would be super fun in Phoenix. But with the 10th overall pick, you had him going 9. I have the Suns taking Devin Vassell. Mm-hmm. I mean, just throwing him in immediately in Phoenix, depending on what moves they make, would be extremely fun to watch. I mean, he's a good length. He has good length. He has a good in-between game. What I've seen from him, kind of something that stuck out to me, is his mid-range. Just once he gets a step on his defender, his ability to just pull up from mid-range and his ability to score off the dribble is advanced for where we have him going in the draft falling all the way to 10 and that off the dribble of scoring ability it's very intriguing when I look at Devin Vassell also he's good in transition we saw him throw down some lobs electric I mean are they already do have Kelly Oubre that kind of great energy maker in Phoenix but I just think that Vassell's intangibles that lengthy wing fall into 10 maybe if they do trade Kelly Oubre having Vassell play there immediately in Phoenix would be fun to watch yeah, I totally agree. Um, so moving on to my 11th pick, I'm, I think that the Spurs are going to take the most explosive player in the draft, which is Patrick Williams out of Florida State. Um, this is probably the most athletic prospect in this year's draft. Um, I mean, he is just a freak athlete. He's a combo forward. He literally has every single upside you could possibly want out of a forward um he is 6 7 215 and for the small forward position i think that's pretty pretty decent um he could get a little bigger he bulk up a little bit but also i mean his athletic ability is just it's right there um his passing was actually pretty pretty great i mean i mean there's really he he can be a 15 to 20 points per game scorer but we really didn't see that at Florida State. I mean, um, but I mean, he really hasn't reached his ceiling as a scorer yet. Um, but it's really just dependent on what system he's in. Florida State was loaded this year, and so I think that that might have taken away the fact that he couldn't get too many uh, opportunities on the offensive end. But I mean, we saw he's he's very quick. He's very strong. His defense is is absolutely amazing his athletic ability and his size is all great and so um just looking looking at the bigger picture i think this is a very high popping physical profile i think that he is he is one of the most just outstanding and just very explosive athletes like ever i mean in college basketball he was there wasn't very many people who could out-rebound him. There wasn't anyone who could keep up with him in the fast break. I mean, he literally was flying past people, and I think that will go a long way, especially in the NBA. But also, I think this pick will also be very, very great if the Spurs move DeMar. 
I saw that there was a couple rumors that DeMar would be moved to uh, the Lakers for, I believe it was Kuzma and uh, Danny Green, and I think a pick. And I think I mean, for DeMar, I think that would be a great fit in, with the Lakers. And then Patrick Williams literally plays exactly like DeMar DeRozan. I think that would be just a great filler if DeMar was moved. Um, but also, if DeMar isn't moved, I think Patrick Williams is a great pick. I think that he can come in and, uh, I mean, his jump shot isn't great, but it's definitely good. He's very capable of scoring at all three levels, and I think that he would be a great fit for the Spurs offense. Yeah, I think Patrick Williams in San Antonio would be a good fit, so that's why I'm going to agree with you. I also have Patrick Williams going to the Spurs. I mean, you hit everything right on the head for him, but the thing that I'm going to talk about for a little bit that's very concerning is just his scoring, which you obviously talked about. I mean, although Florida State was loaded, I mean, he averaged nine points a game, and there was not one instance the entire season that he scored more than 20 points. And when I'm thinking about that, that's just a little bit concerning for a player at the 11th overall spot. But I think letting him develop in San Antonio because they are not in a win now. They had a losing record last year, which never happens with the Spurs. There was some crazy stat that they hadn't had a losing record in however long. But last year, I mean, they went 32-39, and and they did not make the playoffs. So I think throwing him in to San Antonio, letting him develop, Maybe if they move Aldridge or DeRozan, because I've heard rumors about moving both of them, then that would be very beneficial for Patrick Williams and the Spurs and kind of letting him run with that young core of DeJounte, Derek White, Patty Mills, even though he's been in the league for a little while, and Lonnie Walker. I mean, Lonnie Walker is a very intriguing prospect, and just his ability to go finish above the rim, some highlight reel dunks, I think that that San Antonio team would be fun if they take Patrick Williams there. I, t- I mean, I totally agree. I think that him running with that young core, it adds depth to the Spurs lineup. I mean, they're, they have a lot of young players with that the, in their backcourt, and I think their frontcourt needs a, a little bit of work considering that they have DeMar DeRozan and Aldrich. But after that, I mean, they really don't have anyone that, that could come in and, you know, kind of play that that similar style of offense and then even just protect the rim like Patrick Williams is capable of doing um I mean he's he's pretty lengthy so I mean he can get up and he can block shots just like anyone but I mean I'm I definitely think that he would be a great fit for the Spurs so moving on to my 12th pick so I have the Kings selecting Sadiq Bey from Villanova so the 6'8 215 small forward um, who is 21 years old. He was a sophomore at Villanova. I think he's just a great pick. I think his overall, just his basketball IQ is there. Um, I think he's ready for the NBA. Um, his jump shot is there. His leadership is outstanding. I mean, he led that Villanova team um, this year. I mean, although they weren't as good as they have been previously, I think he definitely picked up the slack from a lot of those seniors leaving. And, I mean, his, his size is there for the small forward position. 6'8 is great. 215 is also great. Um, one thing that I think he does lack is quickness and his athletic ability. Um, I think that he does need to um, kind of get into, like, more athletic shape. I think he needs to peak in his just running and jumping. Um, just, like, the overall stuff that he can definitely improve just before the season even starts. Um, but another thing is 
he he really is very inconsistent in his shooting. Uh, he shot 76% from the free throw line and 64% as a freshman, which is far from elite. And like you said earlier, you can kind of tell whenever a player is kind of kind of struggles with being consistent in shooting is based off of their free throws. I mean, it's the same spot every single time. And, I mean, we saw Lonzo. Lonzo was a great three-point shooter in college, but he kind of struggled from the uh, free throw line, and then he comes to the NBA and struggle from the three-point line. So I think that's one – that is one uh, one little red flag that I have for Sadiq Bey, but I think that he will be a great player. I mean, he averaged 16.1 points per game on five rebounds and then three assists as a sophomore. And, I mean, he was all Big East first team. And, I mean, he he shot pretty efficiently from three, um, but his, just his free throw uh, percentage was pretty, pretty – lack but um i think he would be a great fit for sacramento um i think going alongside um a quick player like fox i mean he can kind of slow down the tempo a little bit if fox is getting um trapped or even they're playing the defense against fox because i mean he is fox dan fox is a great player and he's very very quick in the fast break and i think sadiq bay could uh, slow the tempo down. I think he could also maybe run an offense a little bit more than De'Aaron Fox could possibly do because De'Aaron Fox loves to attack the rim. I think Sadiq Bay can slow things down. I think he'd be a great fit for Sacramento and kind of switch things up with how their offense is running now. I agree. I think Sadiq Bay would be a perfect fit there. I have him a little bit lower though, but I have a wing going to the Kings and it's Aaron Neesmith from Vanderbilt, a little bit smaller than Bay, standing at 6'6". But just what I've seen from Aaron Neesmith, from the highlights that I've watched and just hearing from what people have to say about him from close close to Vanderbilt, excuse me, is just that, in my opinion, he's the best shooter in the draft and he's an excellent leader. When you watch him play, I mean, his shooting ability, it's absolutely ridiculous. He was probably one of the players that I watched the most of before before this draft is coming and before I made my mock draft, I mean, he shot 52% from three on eight attempts per game. That's almost unheard of, shooting above 50% from three when you're taking eight threes a game. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, that's also while averaging 23 points a game. And one thing that also that I did note, if the Kings take Neesmith, I think that they trade Buddy Heald. They have similar games. Neesmith is 6'6", Heald 6'5". They're both excellent shooters from distance. And I just think that the Kings situation at the two, even though Neesmith is more of a two slash three, it's just really weird. I mean, when you saw Bogdanovich starting over Buddy Heald, I mean, it left everyone scratching their head. No way Buddy Heald was happy about that. I'm very high on Buddy Heald. I like his game. And I think that there's no way that he should be coming off the bench in the NBA that we're in right now. Just his ability to shoot and score the ball. And, I mean, kind of when he would come in the game, I mean, he's electric. And I don't think that there's any way that he should have been coming off the bench. And I think that Aaron Neesmith would be an excellent fit in Sacramento just for his ability to score at all three levels, hit open shots, and also his ability to finish in transition. And also being said, he would be a leader for this team, which they desperately need. So I'm, I agree with you wholeheartedly on everything that you've said. Um I think Neesmith is capable of being one of the best players in this draft. I think he has literally every single thing you want in an NBA player, and it just depends on what system takes him. And I think that 
him being my 13th pick, I have Aaron Neesmith going to the New Orleans Pelicans. I think he would be a great fit. He's a 3-and-D player. I think him alongside uh, Brandon Ingram, him alongside Lonzo, and Zion Williamson, I think that that would be a great fit. I mean, he doesn't really – he kind of lacks in his playmaking ability, but that's fine because he has one of the one of the best playmakers, which is Lonzo Ball. Um, he could shoot. Like you said, he shot 52%. But what I also want to talk about is just the improvement that he made within one year of college. So his freshman year, he – Averaged 11 points on 33% shooting from three and on five attempts. And then he shot 39% from the field on nine attempts. So he played 32 games and he averaged 29 minutes per game his freshman year. His sophomore year, he got the starting position, but also he was battling injury. But he averaged 35 minutes per game. He shot 14 times 50% from the field. And he shot 52% from three on eight attempts, like you said. And he averaged 23 points. Um, That improvement was just with one year. So I'm very, very excited to see what he can do um, in the NBA just based off of his development within the one year. Um, A lot of people are comparing him to uh, Robert Covington just from being a 3 and D player. But I think he's a lot better. I think he is capable of being one of the best players in this draft, like I said earlier. But one thing that I think a lot of these teams are worried about is that foot injury that he had that ended his season early. Um, but even with a foot injury, I think he can still battle back. I mean, um, foot injuries, they suck. I definitely think that um, basketball players are capable of coming back. And I really don't think that he's too dependent on being as explosive. I mean, he's very he's not too athletic. But, I mean, he could still go up. He could, He's great on the defensive side of the ball. He has great strength. I mean, he's 215, 6'6", 215, and he could play the 2 or the 3. So I think that's that's great. His potential was there. He has literally every intangible you want, and he could shoot the ball. I mean, if you could shoot the ball in the NBA and you're shooting 50% in the NCAA, I think you're a great fit for any team. And I think having that spacing for Zion Williamson would be dangerous on the New Orleans Pelicans, especially with how Zion loves to attack the rim. If he gets uh, shut down or they close the paint for Zion, they kick it out, and you have Neesmith there, and he, like you said earlier, he could shoot the pill. So I'm very excited. I hope that he goes to the Pelicans because I would love to see him play alongside Zion and Lonzo. So I'm going to have my 12 and 13 flip-flop with you. So I have Sadiq Bey actually going to the Pelicans. And I think whichever wing falls to the Pelicans, either way, if they take either one of these, I think that they need another good forward, and I think that either one would be a perfect fit. Just Sadiq Bey, he's one of my favorite players in the draft. Just his ability to shoot the three, guard multiple positions, and just throw down some posters. I mean, he checks all the boxes for something that would be – good for New Orleans to take. I mean, to learn from B.I., we saw B.I. improve so much when he went from L.A. to New Orleans, and I think Sadiq Bey takes another huge jump, just like he did at Nova. I mean, he went from averaging 8 to averaging 16 the next season. He almost doubled his points per game with only adding a little under 4 minutes to his minutes per game. So just that jump he made is very promising, and his ability... Also, his ability to score off the dribble 
and just the fact that he is so underrated is going to be something that New Orleans is going to benefit a lot from if they take Sadiq Bey at the 13th pick. I think both Sadiq Bey and Aaron Neesmith are capable of being the steals of the draft this year. Um, I know it's a little early to, to tell, um, but just based off of what I've seen so far just from their um, college play, I think they are capable of being stars in the league. Um, but moving on to star, so my 14th pick and my 15th pick I think are just based off of their names. Um, these are one of the the two most popular players of this draft, I think. Um, but my 14 is Cole Anthony. I think Boston um, kind of needs a point guard to come off their bench, and I think Cole Anthony is explosive. I think he can keep the crowd in the game, especially if Boston is going um, to a game late and they need just one of their players to sub out. I think Cole Anthony is a great player. Um, I mean, his size is there. He's 6'3". I do definitely think he needs to get up in strength. He weighs 185, but, I mean... He's 185 now. Two months from now, after he gets drafted, I, I could see him being, like, 195. I mean, that's just how, how capable the NBA is in just putting weight on all these players. Um, but I mean, Cole Anthony has everything that you want. I mean, he, we saw he has great leadership. Um, his jump shot is there, very explosive. Um, he can get to the rack. He's a great two-way player. Um, he can get through passing lanes. He's very, very quick. Um, he has a handle. Uh, I just, I think he's a great fit. Um, I and I think Boston will definitely take him just because of his name. I think um, we've seen a lot of times Boston, especially. I mean, they take Taco Fall. Uh, Taco Fall is one of the most popular players I'd say in the NBA, just because of um, the icon that he is for. Uh, just basketball in general um, but Cole Anthony again I mean he's been a big name since high school I think it'll continue through the NBA I mean he's very very aggressive he's confident um, and I think he's a he's a pretty good team player but there is one thing that I think he could do a lot better and that is um, his playmaking I think that uh, his passing could definitely uh, get a little tweaked because um, he had only four assists uh, last year, and he also had 3.5 turnovers. So um, that's that's definitely needs some work, but I think that he's capable of making that big jump. So, yeah, Cole Anthony, I'm just a little bit concerned about his injury. But, Ian, I'm going to ask you something. So we play a lot of Among Us together. You're always sus nine out of ten times you're the imposter. So there's an imposter among this group that I'm about to read to you. So let's see how your skills at Among Us transition to this mock draft. So you got to tell me which I'm a great crewmate, by the way. So <laughs> you got to tell me which one of these players is the imposter. Okay. So we have Kimball Walker. We have Jalen Brown. We have Gordon Hayward. Jason Tatum, and then we have Daniel Tice. Um, wh- who's the imposter? Uh, I'm going I'm to say Daniel Tice is the imposter there. So you got it right. Daniel Tice was ejected. So with the 14th overall pick, I have to tell Celtics taking Preston Achua, the 6'9 power forward from Memphis. I mean, obviously... As you were saying about Cole Anthony, Precious is another big name. I mean, we saw him in high school. Excellent. Big name. And I think taking Precious is the perfect scenario for Boston. They have a couple first-round picks, and they can fill in their other needs later, like they have at point guard, like if Kira Lewis falls from Bama. 
But I think that Precious is the no-brainer pick here if you're the Celtics and he falls to 14 just because of his ceiling. I mean, they need a center ultimately. When, As we were talking about that starting lineup, he's he would have replaced Tice immediately. Although we did see some bright spots from Tice, he does a lot of stuff that doesn't come up on the stat sheet. I think Precious is an immediate upgrade from Tice. Just He would be an undersized center just like Tice is, so we don't need to be concerned about his size. I mean, he's 6'9". He could start at center for Boston just by the way he plays. And obviously, he's not a back-to-the-basket scorer. But, I mean, sometimes he has the ability to finish in traffic off of a dump-off. Say, if Kemba gets to the bucket, hits him, he'll more than likely finish. And I think that he has a lot of time to develop his scoring in the paint. And also, we saw him good when he had the ball in his hands. I mean, sometimes we would see him catch the ball behind the three-point line at the mid-range and just get to the basket and finish a tough layup guard-esque coming from Precious, who's 6'9". And also, he's a good shot blocker, and he has good rim protection potential. And, I mean, potentially he could anchor that defense for the Boston Celtics. And also, he gets a lot of his points on the pick and roll and his off-ball movement. We don't see him post up very much. And I think that this is very intriguing and a no-brainer pick for the Celtics. So the one reason I didn't have the Celtics taking a big here is because they still have Ennis Cantor. Um, uh, I think both Ennis Cantor and Daniel Tice, I think they both are are great uh, centers or forwards or just like the, the small forwards or whatever, or undersized forwards, I should say. But then you also have Grant Williams, who is a young player that we saw a lot of in the playoffs. So um, that is why I, I thought the Celtics want to take Cole Anthony um they do they're they're very 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 heavy on guards um but i just think cole anthony is too good to have drop i mean i we've seen him all through high school we've seen him all through college uh that number 14 is very low anything after that is is low and also one thing that i do want to point out i know this is kind of scattered all over the place but pick number 13 which I had Neesmith and you had Sadiq Bay, so that number that pick number thirteen has been very very great for years in the past. So I want everyone who is listening, I want you guys to listen and listen to us and look at these players and look at what they do their rookie seasons because I think they they could definitely be the sleepers of this draft. But back to Precious Antoine or. Um, Cole Anthony. I think Boston will definitely take Cole Anthony, and I think Precious is great, a great player, but I think he is just undersized, and I just didn't think that he would fit that Boston role um, just because he likes to stand outside, and they really need someone to go get boards, um, and that's why, like, Grant Williams is a great rebounder, um, but, and Precious likes to stay outside. He likes to shoot. I mean, He's a great player, and I think I just don't think that he fits that Boston system because they have so many shooters right now. Um, but I mean, I totally agree with you. I think Precious would be a great fit in like for Boston as a as a whole. I think like he would pair well with all those players. I just don't think that that system works very well with Precious. So moving on to my fifteenth pick, I have another player who has a big name for himself. Um, and I have Tyrese Maxey um, from Kentucky. 
I th- have him going to Orlando. I think that they need they need guards. Um, DJ Augustine is probably around 60 years old now. Uh, I think that Tyrese Maxey can he's he's athletic. He's quick. Um, he can handle the ball. He could shoot. Uh, I mean his his playmaking can definitely need some work. But I think Tyrese Maxey is is a great player. I think he is. Um, a top talent. I mean, you don't go to Kentucky for nothing. I mean, he. We saw him in high school. Uh, I think you saw him in high school, actually, right? I did see yeah. Tyrese Maxey in high school. Yeah. So I think I think Tyrese Maxey is a great prospect. Um, I do think he came to the to the NBA draft a little prematurely. Um, I do think that he should have stayed one more year. But also, I I just believe that he is he is capable of being. Like one of just those great combo guards. He's very, very quick. He kind of reminds me of De'Aaron Fox. Um, I mean, he's he's not as athletic. He's not. A, he can't really like punch it on someone like De'Aaron Fox can. But I mean, they're both super, super quick. They make quick decisions. They're solid at driving and they're solid at, at passing the ball. And but one thing that Tyrese Maxey has over De'Aaron Fox is his his capability on reading a defense. Um, that's something that De'Aaron Fox has kind of struggled, and but that's also something that De'Aaron Fox has made improvements on. So I think everybody on this list is capable on making a huge improvement, but I think Tyrese Maxey is a great player, and he shoots very efficiently. And like we've, like we've said a lot this episode, you could tell from free throw shooting, and Tyrese Maxey was one of the most efficient free throw shooters in this, in this draft. Um, out of anyone on this list that we've listed so far, Tyrus Maxey has been, had a better free throw shooting than anyone. And I think that that will go a long ways. And I think that um, he's he's a very smart kid. I mean, he has high character. And, I mean, everyone loves him. All of his teammates have loved him. I think he would be a great fit for Orlando. Um, hopefully they could just pair him with someone, and I think that would be a lot of fun to see. So that would be a lot of fun to see. I saw a lot of Tyrese. When he was in high school, some friends and I, we'd always go travel around for the playoffs, go watch Tyrese. I also got to watch Tyrese versus RJ at Little Elm, two of the best players in Dallas from the class of 2019. But I'm going to have to disagree with you, and I'm going to have to take the other dominant guard from Dallas. I'm taking RJ Hampton at 15. Um, Just what I've seen when I saw RJ versus Tyrese, I think that RJ in that game prove that he's the better player I'm not sure if he's going to be better in the NBA although I am very high on Tyrese don't get me wrong he's not going to go too far past 15 I just think that RJ and Orlando I think that that's the pick that they make I mean they obviously need another guard as you were saying DJ Augustine I mean he's played with 57 different teams he's getting older and I think that Orlando takes Hampton here just because of his upside I mean he's a little raw but just his ability to score an open court, I mean, he's ridiculously fast. He might be the fastest guard in the draft, or at least one of them. I mean, when he gets the ball at, say, the opposite free throw line, he's going to beat that wing, that forward down the court that's three, four steps ahead of him, and, I mean, either punch it or just lay it up. I mean, his just athletic ability, some people say he's the most athletic player in the draft. That might be a stretch, but in my opinion, R.J. Hampton in Orlando would just be perfect for this team because, I mean, he has time to develop. Um, He has a solid big man in Nikola Vucevic. 
and just his in-between game, he'll, his mid-range will get better, and his size and length just for that combo guard, I mean, he'd probably run the one in Orlando, and his ability to play against grown men like we saw when he was with the Breakers in New Zealand. I mean, he played against OKC. He played against Memphis. He's been playing with grown men for a while now. I mean, he's been training with the best of the best, Tyler Ralph. He's been training with him for a while. And I think this that RJ is a very hard worker, and I think him and Orlando would be interesting. And that's why I have him going 15, just his ability to go score coast to coast, like the name of our podcast, and... <laughs> That's just why I have him going at 15, no pun intended. Okay, so I, I kind of have a, a little analogy. So we saw – this is another De'Aaron Fox. Shout out to Swiper, but um, I'm bringing him up again. So De'Aaron Fox and Lonzo, we saw them play when uh, before they were in the league. Um, they kind of built a rivalry. We are seeing R.J. Hampton and LaMelo Ball kind of build a, a little rivalry. And LaMelo Ball's in a position that Lonzo was in, and RJ Hampton's in a position that uh, De'Aaron Fox was in. Uh, RJ Hampton, it looks like he played a little better statistically in New Zealand than LaMelo Ball did, which is the same thing that De'Aaron Fox did in college. Um, but RJ Hampton kind of, he kind of reminds me of. De'Aaron Fox. I mean, he he's quick. Uh, he's, I think they're around the same height. Um, they have good size. I mean, he's very lengthy and like like you said, he's been playing with some top tier talent. I mean, we he's been playing against people that are much older than him. We saw him play Memphis and like we've seen him. Just he's been he's one of the most alkylated nineteen year old. I've probably ever seen. I mean, he has played professionally already. Uh, he's he's won an EYBL session. Uh, he won Texas Gatorade Player of the Year. He's a gold medalist. Um, and he won the World Cup, the U-17 World Cup in 2018, and the U-16 America's Championship in 2017, and then as well as a, a World Cup. I mean, he... He is a great player, and I think a lot of people are kind of looking over him. Um, we see a, a lot of that stuff happening whenever these players go overseas and they come back. Um, but I think RJ Hampton is a great player, and I think he could easily be a steal of the draft. I'm just very, very excited to see um, where he ends up. I'm, I'm just excited for this draft to start. I'm excited to see what these players can do, and hopefully all of them can develop. And hopefully all these trade rumors go through and we can see some of these players even get a starting position. Um, I mean, like I said with Patrick Williams, I think if DeMar DeRozan gets moved, he can move in there. And, I mean, even with uh, just all just all these players, I'm, just, I'm super, super excited for this year to start, and I'm super excited for us to continue the season two. I'm excited to continue the mock drafts. Um, well, this is our first half of the first round and I think we're going to continue this by the end of the week. So, yeah, so kind of looking at LaMelo and RJ comparatively, I mean, RJ took care of the ball better than Melo. RJ averaged one and a half turnovers while playing in New Zealand and Australia, while Melo averaged two and a half. But also at the same time, Melo averaged 17 points a game, while RJ averaged around nine. 
Just they're obviously very different players, and I think it's going to be interesting to see when we see Melo go up against RJ. I mean, RJ's played against. I mean, he's played against some of the best players in the world already. I mean, he had some great matchups while he was at Thanksgiving Hoop Fest. I mean, we've seen him play against Jalen Green. We've seen him play in every circuit imaginable. I'm pretty sure he played in all three shoe circuits. He played in Under Armour. He played in the EYBL, and also he played in the Adidas Gauntlet. So, I mean, he his variety of competition that he's already gone against at the age of 19 years old is insane. And I'm very excited to see RJ get drafted. He went to my school in seventh grade in middle school, and I, I mean, I always see him around working out and just really good for him that he's – where he's at today and he's about to make a huge name for himself even though I mean he already has so shout out RJ Hampton very excited to see what you do and just good luck this coming season I mean you're about to be a first round NBA draft pick and you're showing everyone around the nation that Dallas might be the best hotbed for basketball in the United States I mean I might be a little biased just because I'm a Dallas boy I mean I've seen all these guys play RJ, Tyrese, Jemias, I mean, you name it. I've probably seen him play, and I'm just excited for all these Dallas guys to make the names for themselves in the best basketball league in the world. On that note, we're going to cap off this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, We've had a lot of fun making these mock drafts for you guys, and we plan on continuing our mock drafts later this week. So, And as always, if you have any questions, make sure just to shoot us a DM on Twitter at CTCBball. And also, if you liked this draft, maybe send it to a friend. Just I challenge y'all maybe if you've listened all the way to this point, go to the share button, send it to a friend or two, and kind of get our name out there because we feel like this mock draft is really strong. No bias at all, just our straight takes. And I think that that would be something that your friends would like to hear. And also, one thing that me and Ian had the idea of making is so we decided to make a TikTok. So if you want to follow us on TikTok for our podcast, it's at CTCBball as well. Same name as our Twitter. And we're going to continue and start to post on there, make some cool stuff on there, maybe make a mock draft TikTok for y'all. Maybe that'll blow up, get us some listeners on this podcast. And one final thing, if you ever get put in an Among Us lobby with the name Big Drip, and he's wearing a do-rag, he is 9 out of 10 times the imposter. So just watch out for that. I'm a great crewmate. This has been Coast to Coast, a basketball podcast.